the blast from our past network. Listen, uh, Mr. Galvin, this train is half a mile long and is traveling at speed into population with eight freight cars of hazardous chemicals and 5,000 gallons of diesel fuel. Sir, we're not just talking about a train here. We're talking about a missile the size of the Chrysler building. So what is your point, Miss Hooper? My point is, after it crosses through Finlay, there's, there's about 12 miles of vacant farmland. But after that, it's nothing but town after town all the way to Stanton. We have a very limited window here. Talking back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and this week we are covering the 2010 movie Unstoppable. And with me, as usual, is co-host Dean. Dean, what is going on? Nothing, man. Just ready to go. Ready to ready to not hit the brakes. I did. I detached the brakes. I don't have any brakes today. Good one, Dean. Thanks, man. You got to be more open to those, I think, Tim. I think now it's on you. <laughs> nah. <laughs> you got a yes and. Didn't you take those improv classes I sent you? No. No, okay. I didn't. <laughs> okay, and <laughs> please stop those intros. Okay, I will not do that. <laughs> Hey, how about Unstoppable? This is really interesting because this movie came up during our top 10 Saturday afternoon movies. It was you your, it your choice. It landed at number five on our list right in the middle. So, yeah, we decided, well, I decided. <laughs> I make all the decisions around here. Let's just be honest. Right, yeah, that's fine. Uh, I knew you'd be into this, though, but I decided let's do Unstoppable. Let's see what this movie's all about. I, I got to know, like, that that list. I got to know what the number five is all about. I got to understand if it fits or not. Yeah, because it's one that you had not seen. So you you decided to throw me a little bone, and we we tackle one from the list, and uh, might as well go with the well, highest one for me, the one that ranked the highest. It's slotted in at number five there, so... Tim, does it deserve to be on the list? Well, first of all, well, first of all, I would like to say that your description of the movie during that top 10 episode was what intrigued me about the movie and had Ooh, me okay. giving it a high spot. I was intrigued. Now, Dean, Good. I will say after watching it, I get it. Yeah, man. I don't mind it being in that number five spot at all good this is it was totally it's amazing fun. it rules it's a it's a good movie it's a fun movie it's a fun saturday afternoon movie it, it is yeah. it, it is as as um described by you it delivered it was what, as advertised exactly it was a, as advertised you delivered on the promise of yes. a saturday afternoon movie so i like it that's good um they got the name wrong though well see here's the thing tim I think the the name refers to Denzel Washington's star power. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think that's what it's referring to. Nice. Nice save. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It does. Uh actually in this movie, I'd I'd maybe say it um is for Rosario Dawson's star power cuz she she stole Hell the yeah, show man. for me. Yes, thank you for saying that. I was going to bring that up, that she definitely stole the show. She is incredible. I think she is uh, sort of underused sometimes. And she's got, I think she has all this star power and she needs to be, um, she needs to be at, at the front of movies because she's awesome. I love her in everything that I see her in. Now, this movie was released in 2010 with a budget of $100 million. And this movie grosses $170 million. So that's pretty good for a movie about a train. Yeah, definitely. Thomas the Train released a film in 2009, and that only made $140,000 at the box office. And that's about a talking train. 
Interesting. So, and that's the year before. So you would see those numbers and you'd be like, I don't know, people. I think we got to pull this train movie. This other train movie didn't do very well. Exactly. It made a tenth of our budget. Now, I guess I have to throw in there that it was only released in Hong Kong and South Korea, but still, it was a talking train. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Also, I said a tenth of our budget. I think it's like a hundredth, maybe a thousandth of the budget. I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not I'm trying to figure. Supposed to be good at math. I'm not trying to do math on the podcast. <laughs> okay, I am, and I usually fail. That's it's fine. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, you often do fail. That's true. I often fail, which is weird because I'm a math guy, but I guess I'm not a math guy on the spot. I recently asked you what a, I think one percent of ten billion dollars was, and you said one billion. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no which is not that's wrong it's actually not no, it's a hundred it's a hundred million yeah you you ended up getting there yeah. but i think your first your impulse reaction was yeah. a little bit off it's very strange it's it's bad it's bad for me it's bad tony scott director of this movie yes i think he's a good saturday afternoon movie director yeah, he's perfect. I love Tony Scott. I love Tony Scott's movies. It's sad that this was his final movie. Unstoppable is his final movie because he passed away. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I absolutely love all his movies. I think they have such a unique action style to them. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. He's very unique and, and I, yeah. I like it. I like it. He directed Top Gun, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Days of Thunder, The Last Boy Scout, True Romance, Crimson Tide, among others. Now, it was written by Mark Baumbach. He was the writer on Live Free or Die Hard, the new Total Recall movie, the new Planet of the Apes movies, and Logan. Okay, okay. You're, a you're doing stinkers, a lot of head shaking ones. back there. What's up? There was a couple stinkers in there. You okay. started off and I was like, ooh, I don't know. I don't know about this guy. But then you ended strong. Yeah, I saved the best for last. Yeah, good, good. Music by Harry Gregson Williams. Now, I'll be honest. I don't remember a lot of music from this movie. The music from this movie for me was basically... Yeah, that was, that was the good music in the movie. That's really what I good. remember for, for um, the music. Yeah, if you if you get the uh, soundtrack, it's just one long track that's that. It's There's just a little bit of... That with like a little bit of... Is in there as well, yeah. Yeah, Tim, I, I was the same because I usually like to listen to the music of the movie as we're like leading up to the episode. And I just I just didn't with this one. You listened it, uh, to us. Uh, uh, sounds from the train yard is the YouTube. Uh, sounds from the train yard. Yeah, YouTube that's what I listened to. That it was really one. good. Yeah, that's it, a great yeah, track. It was good. It was, it's a good track. Yeah. Sometimes some people walking through like gravel and stuff. That's a great noise as well. Right. Um, yeah, that that's the, yeah, those things. Those sounds. Yes. Now, we haven't talked about this guy before. But this guy did the music for uh, Prometheus, Dean. I love Prometheus music. I guess there was just uh, too many other things to talk about on Prometheus to talk about the music. Yeah, that's funny because I do love the music on Prometheus. It gets me in the mood. He also did uh, the music for The Rock, for Ants, four of the Shrek movies, Gone Baby Gone, The Martian, The Meg, and more. And Dean... This movie was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Sound Editing. That's impressive. Yeah, that's great. Now, I would like to read a short synopsis about this movie, Unstoppable. Go for it. Okay. Floor is yours, Tim. Thank you. Hey, listeners. How, how's everybody doing? Uh, great to have you along. I hope you enjoy this synopsis. Drop us a line if you've ever been on a train before. Yeah, hey, do that. Good one, Dean. Thanks. When a massive, unmanned locomotive roars out of control, the threat is more ominous than just a derailment. The train is laden with toxic chemicals, and an accident would decimate human life and cause an environmental disaster. The only hope of bringing the train to a safe stop 
is in the hands of veteran engineer Denzel Washington and young conductor Chris Pine, who must risk their lives to save those in the runway's path. Okay, I didn't write that myself, just so you know. You're looking at me Sounds like exciting. that. Mm, you're, you're like, hmm. Wasn't the best synopsis, but... No, it's good. I wasn't I wasn't sure if you were done or not. That's all. <laughs> Fair enough. I was done. Okay, good. Um, Dean, the movie starts off telling us it was inspired by true events. I thought that was cool. I thought that was very cool. I wonder how much of it is em- embellished because, like, there's some pretty intense stuff that's going on in this movie. Definitely. So I had to look it up. Uh, in 2001, in Ohio, an incident named the Crazy Eights happened where a locomotive, the name of the locomotive was 8888, was pulling 47 cars, including some hazardous chemicals, and ran uncontrolled for two hours. Wow. Okay. It was finally stopped the same way they stopped it in this movie, which I won't spoil. By, De- by Denzel Washington and Chris Pine? Yes. But... Many of the beats in this movie actually did happen. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yikes. The important the important beats happened. That's exciting and terrifying. Including Denzel saving the day. Yeah, totally. Had to be. So we get a short intro sequence in a train yard where we meet Chris Pine, who plays Colson, and Denzel Washington, who plays Frank. We learn they're going to be working together, driving engine 1206 across Pennsylvania. And I will be completely honest up front here. I was not really feeling the dynamic of Denzel and Chris Pine. I thought it all felt very dry for me throughout the movie. Oh, really? Wow. Um, That's a thing that pops for me on the movie. I really like those two. I think that uh, like Denzel's playing the... You know, the guy who's worked in the train yard for over 25 years and he's he's the vet. And then uh, Chris Pine's playing the new guy um, who's just been on for a couple months. And I think they both play those parts um, to perfection. And I think their dynamic together of just sort of chatting, but awkward chatting, because like they're just going to probably be working that day together. And who knows if they'll be working any more together, um, I think was good. I, I really enjoyed when it was on those two and they were interacting. Yeah. So I noticed throughout the movie, there were a lot of close-up shots during those talking scenes and not a lot of them together in in a single frame. So Mm -hmm. it's possible that those guys maybe got together for a very short time to do a couple of scenes, but then shot all of those close-up shots just with themselves, like monologuing their lines, which is what it felt like, felt like for me. Um, I I felt like they didn't get the opportunity to play off off of each other in like a live acting environment. So, you know, I wouldn't disagree with you that I think they both did like a really good job with their character. I just felt like the dynamic between the two of them wasn't existent. It, it just, it yeah. really felt to me yeah. like they came in, delivered their lines, delivered them like really well, but there was nobody beside them when they were doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's just me. It is just you on this podcast. Well, it might be me and other people. All right? Yeah, but right now it's just you. And right now it's just me that liked it. It's me and Brian. It's just the two of Brian, us. Brian, I just checked in with Brian and he's on our he's on my side. Of course. Of course he is. Talking back. Brian's hated me ever since you made me co-host. <laughs> yeah. Um so what happens now is we move to a different train yard, not the one that Colson and Frank are in, and we see a train is being moved from one track to another. It's the grunt work. Hey, take that train over there and put it over right. there. Well, yeah. how are we going to do that? Well, you just switch the track and, you know, push go and it'll go there. That's tra- right. uh, it's train. This is all train lingo, so... If you're not following, right. yeah, that that's that's the train exact lingo. lingo. <laughs> Push go right. train yard. It's the train yard talk. Um, the, the one of the guys here, he's like investigating the train, and he notices the brake line is disconnected, but says he'll fix it yeah. after they move it to the other track. 
Now that seems like a bad idea to me, Dean, because everyone knows that trains need brakes. It's kind of important. Yes, definitely. And you've got uh, you've got the two two great actors here. I mean, I, one of them's a horrible person, but you got two great actors here playing the dumb dumbs. Yeah, like they totally. play such good dumb dumbs. You got you know T.J. Miller and uh, I can't remember the other guys like Ethan Supley. I don't know how to say his last name. I think it's Supley. Um, but yeah, they're just they play dumb dumbs so well. Yeah, the yeah. We'll, we'll get. I've got a couple things to say, but we'll get there uh, really okay. really soon. Now. This guy driving the train with no brakes, he needs to manually switch a track. So he so he jumps out of the train to do that. And this just gave me all sorts of anxiety. Seeing this guy get oh, out yeah. of the moving train because he's going to yes, walk ahead, switch the track, get back in the train, and the train's going to then take the new track. I was feeling very uncomfortable. It sounds like a bad idea. Yeah, very bad. Now, what happens is the train begins to speed up. And it beats him to the track before he can switch it. And now we have a runaway train and it's half a mile long. Great. And this guy responsible, Dewey. Dude, he could not have a dumber look on his face. It couldn't be any dumber. No. So I I would credit the actor for doing a great job portraying someone who doesn't give a shit about their job. Not at all. Yes. Not one ounce. Yes, totally. This guy should not be working in a train yard. He should be working that at McDonald's. Is, yeah, that is totally the vibe that's the start of this movie is that um, it, it's it's a lot about sort of the job and the jobs that everyone's doing and like old versus young, you know, new into the job versus experts at the job. And these two are just two people who are kind of doing the manual labor, the physical grunt work, and they don't give a shit. They just are doing it. And and this time it just went wrong. Like you, you have to think, oh my goodness. Like if there was a chance that he could hop off that train and not be able to hop back in, why would you ever do it? Why wouldn't you just stop the train and flip the track? But he's just getting off a lunch or whatever breakfast. I don't know what time of day it is. And he, he doesn't care. Like he just wants to get it done. Uh, yeah, this guy, this is, this is Ethan Supley who plays this part. Uh, great. He plays it, that dumb face. He plays to perfection. It was really good. I would, I would have to say this is the bad call, Tim. Yeah, the bad call for sure. Yeah, we haven't done that in a while, but yeah, this is the bad call. There's a few. This has got to be the one. Oh, for sure. This this is what gets everything going. It's what gets it started. Yeah. Um, like the brake lines are off. Like if you walked up to your car, exactly, and you saw the brake line just like spitting oil, and you're like, "Well, I guess I'll fix that when I get to where I'm going with it." Well, no, yeah, because you need to stop at some point anyways yeah maybe you do the maybe you do the run out and run back in thing maybe if the brakes were still attached maybe you do that because then you can shut it down or you know it's going to shut down but like with all this together it's like what the hell are you doing as absurd as it all sounds this was actually true to the real story this is basically what happened dewey i think actually was working at that train yard in ohio was uh, hey was hey i meant to ask you <laughs> did you ever like run and jump on a moving train before i don't think so no did you do that i did that one time yeah that seems dangerous <laughs> it was dangerous but it was also fun and then it was like after we after we did it we were just like well that sucks now we're like way over here you know <laughs> what what are we going to do way over here now we just have to walk back right. to where we were you got to walk you got it didn't it, you got to wait for another train to hop on <laughs> or you got to walk back it didn't really sink in until after but we're like hey there goes a train let's get right, it right, we definitely yeah. yeah weren't coming out of a bar late at night we definitely hadn't been drinking none of that had of happened of course yeah of course not and we just like hey there's a, let's get on the train and we all ran like as fast as we could and it was pretty exhilarating and then we got on and we're like yeah we're riding the train and then it sunk in, like, as you start to get far away. You're like, right, yeah. why did I do this? It's going to be I'm a real long walk home. Probably going to have to call, a, like, a cab to get back. But you were thinking, you're like, one day, I'm going to tell this story on a podcast, and it'll all be worth it. Definitely didn't think that. I was probably thinking, oh, I'm going to tell everybody tomorrow I did this. Right. I probably did, too. Probably of told course. everybody. You're a hero. Uh, it was you fun. on a train. Me and uh, my buddy did it a couple couple of our friends they didn't want to do it oh no way yeah can you believe that tim Jeez, tim they had a shorter walk home 
So Dewey, our friend, reports this out-of-control train to Connie Hooper at HQ. Hooper drives the boat, chief. (laughs) Anytime I hear Hooper. Excellent. It's Hooper. Hooper. Excellent. She does drive the boat in this movie. <laughs> she does, yeah. She actually does. Uh, we, we mentioned it before. Incredible performance by Rosario yeah. here. Um, but now this train, Dean, the train's just gone. It's gone. It's speeding down the track. There's no driver. We learn it's heading towards a train full of children. Yep. And Dewey still doesn't think it's a big deal. He's still not impressed by the danger. So they don't like this is I don't like this story, I guess, is supposed to be in 2001. The movies in 2010, they don't have like GPS systems on these trains. They have no idea how fast it's going. So he put the throttle. He like put it down all the way to idle it or something and jumped out. And when he jumped out, we saw it shift back into like gear back into full throttle. So that's why it kind of started taking off. He still thinks he chucked it into into the idle position. So he thinks it's just going nice and slow, coasting along, maybe 10 miles per hour. So they're like, okay, well, this is a problem, but we can handle it. We just got to make sure that it'll it'll probably stop on its own, they're thinking. The friction will probably just stop it on its own. So they don't think it's quite a, a big, big deal yet. Well, that's what he told them because I, I think he didn't want to get in trouble. But later he comes clean yeah. um, about the throttle. or not Maybe not about the throttle. He comes clean about something wasn't in the right position. Now... The real story was very confusing. It was more train yard talk that I didn't really understand. Mm. But there were like yeah. several different like levers and fail safes and something was left in one position that didn't activate this. And then because of that, this didn't get activated. And then, you know, yada, 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 runaway train. Yeah. Runaway train never going back. You like that song? Wrong way yeah, it's great. on a one-way track. Needle drop. Let's drop it in. Does anybody who's thinking, oh, he was waiting all day to do that? That just came to my head. I actually had never even considered wow. that song at any point up until this moment. So cut me a break. Thank you. So those improv classes are paying off. <laughs> I don't take improv classes. Oh, okay. Stop projecting your Im- improv on me. <laughs> uh, what is going on? I feel like this this episode is uh, a runaway train. We've already uh, derailed it. Oh, yeah. It nice. was a runaway train, nice. and now we've derailed yeah, it. Yeah, so. we did. Yeah, we did that. Let's get it back on the track here. Uh, okay, I, I like okay. what happens next. The railway safety inspector shows up at HQ. Oh, that's a ba- that's bad timing. He's supposed to give... It's really bad timing. He's supposed to give a presentation to the children that are about to get killed by a train. Uh, this is, <laughs> the children that are on their way to get the presentation funny. for train safety are about to get killed by a train. <laughs> They're going head on with a big red train. It's great. So they, they keep showing us these clips of the, the train and these students, Dean. And I thought they were pouring it on a bit heavy for how many clips they were showing us. Because I thought this was going to be the disaster they're trying to prevent near the end of the movie. I thought they were going right. to slowly build up the children. And that's what's going to have to get saved. But uh, that wasn't correct. All of a sudden, we see the driver of the train with the kids, uh, and he starts shitting his pants as the train 777 is roaring right towards them. So this was a pleasant, unexpected surprise for me, that they just kind of got right to this. Yeah, you would think with a runaway train, there's only one big thing to do. There's only, you have to stop it before it hits one thing, and that's going to be the movie. But this movie's so high octane that it's like, there's multiple things you have to stop from happening. And this just happens to be the first one, is that these kids are coming. And I I, I like how terrified that train driver is, um, because that train, that 777 coming so fast at him, he was told that it would be no problem because they just think it's coasting. They don't think it's in full throttle. So he was told it's no problem. We're just going to get you on a different track. It's not a big deal. And he's coming around the corner and it's right there, right before he gets on the other track. Yeah. So, um, he is able to get his pants. Yeah. He is able to get on that other track, uh, just nearly missing a head on collision and the kids love it. All the kids on the train oh, are just yeah. like, this is, that was awesome. 
We just about yeah, now smashed rule. into that train. <laughs> that was so cool. <laughs> I love trains. I want to be a train conductor <laughs> yeah, when right. I grow up. <laughs> I want to smash a train when I grow up. Yeah, you're lucky you're growing up, kid. Yeah. So Colson and Frank get their engine to where it needs to go, and they're picking up some other cars. Colson hooks up a bunch of the cars, but makes a mistake and hooks up too many. He hooks up five too many. <laughs> what a rookie mistake. Tim, How many that's... days has this guy been in the yard, man? Come on. Exactly. Five extra cars? That's that's not going to cut it to be captain of a ship, Tim. No, definitely not. Uh, Frank, he gets on Colson's ass about it, and then they get a call that train 777 that they uh, affectionately start to call 777, which I like, is on the same track as them coming towards them. And they let us know it's also pulling toxic chemicals. Right. Great. Which I was like, oh, you know, yeah, great. Let's make it more than just a train. Let's add the chemicals. But that was also true, that the train in real life was pulling toxic chemicals and actually the same thing that they mentioned in this movie it's the same like okay. chemical interesting it sounded pretty bad it sounded like it was going to be a big disaster if it uh crashed yeah it was going to be now connie who's doing a really great job of trying to figure out a way to stop this train decides it needs to be derailed while they still have right. the chance to do it because she she still thinks it's going slow which it's not But the higher-ups, Dean, the bureaucrats, if you will, they don't want to do that because that would cost the company money. Yeah, and so also it's because there's like a bunch of farmland and they're about to hit a bunch of small cities, small towns. So she wants to derail it when they're just in the farmland and they haven't made it to the the towns yet because they're not going to be able to do it there because there's people. (laughs) So they can't Mm -hmm. derail the toxic chemicals there. Um, And this... This guy who plays her boss, this is uh, he's from one of my favorite movies, which is Warrior. Uh, okay. It's Kevin Dunn. He he plays just like he's good. He play he's so good at playing the guy that's upset at news, like the guy that's just flustered with the news he has to get, and he's just so mad he has to deal with a problem. And he plays that so well. He plays such like an asshole. You hate him in this movie because you obviously love Connie and he's just he has different ideas than her because he wants to save the company money he doesn't want to derail the train that's going to cost money so we're we're going to come up with something else we don't need you yeah so we get our first bit of action with the train actually smashing into something we've kind of been waiting for it we were hoping it was going to run through the children it didn't uh now now it's <laughs> we were not hoping oh. that Tim. we were not hoping that oh, was that that just sorry I, I, no whoops uh i didn't mean to say it that way I got my sentence mixed up there. Um, right, right. But what it does do is it smashes a trailer that's stuck on the train track. It wasn't much, but it was a nice little like, okay, here's some here's some destruction for you. You're right, Tim. We did need something. At this point, like uh, we had a near miss of a collision. Yeah. We needed some sort of collision to happen. Right. Enough talk. Let's see Let's see this train hit something. Yeah. Let's see that. It, we, let, I don't really believe it's a problem. <laughs> right. let, show me. Show me why it's a problem. Show me. It's not a problem until something gets smashed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what would have been. You know what would have been really great. Um, it probably wouldn't have fit in the movie. But if uh, maybe the DeLorean showed up on the tracks and got smashed, that would have been great. I would have enjoyed. It would have been great, Tim. That actually would have. I think it would have fit in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, you're right. It probably yeah. would have. Um, Dean, the bureaucrats, they chime in again and they say, we're still running the numbers, but if triple seven crashes, we're looking at a major disaster. Still running the numbers. What the still hell does the that mean? They're still what figuring numbers it out, are Tim? you running? How much it's going to cost to destroy a train? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I've got a number for you. One million. What happens when one million pounds of steel and chemicals go flying through the air off of an elevated train track, which is what the problem is here. Bad things. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Nothing good happens. Okay. Nothing good. You you don't need to, you need to crunch numbers that a disaster is imminent. I, I'm clearly more upset at this than you were, Dean. 
I was very offended by <laughs> I was very offended by this. I know. I just know they're assholes, so I know they're going to come up with this type of shit. The guy they're talking to at the top who's trying to run the numbers is on a fucking golf course. He's playing golf <laughs> with his buddies <laughs> and he's running the numbers. What the hell? Like if a, he doesn't care. if a plane is crashing towards a city, you think someone would say, "I yeah, was we're still running the numbers, but we think yeah. it's going to be bad." If it happens, we think it's going to we don't know yet cuz the numbers haven't come back yet. But we right. think We're it's going to sure. be bad. Yeah. We're anticipating bad numbers coming back. These guys are wor worse in math than we are, Dean. Oh, yeah. I know. Or than you I are. I was probably I working say. on this case. They were probably waiting on me. <laughs> yeah. The guy crunching the numbers, is he's not at his desk. He's not at his desk right now. <laughs> okay. Sorry, we can't crunch anything for you. We don't have anybody to do that. But we think it might be bad. Yeah, these guys were horrible. We'll confirm later, we, but we, we think we think it might be bad. <laughs> we'll call you back to confirm. Yeah, we'll, we'll call you back. Problem. Yeah, we'll let you know how bad it might be. I I thought it was terrible and awesome at the same time. Right. Yes. I do want to say one thing that I love so far, and that is Triple Seven, the train itself. It really feels mm -hmm. like a character to me in the movie. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually getting personality off of it. Like, I feel like yeah, it's, it's weird. Yeah, it is weird. I feel like it's a bit of a bully. It's a little bit reckless. It doesn't respect yeah. authority. And I think, uh, Tony Scott did a really good job. Um, cause he's really the one portraying it. I think with his, the shots he's making of the train, uh, yeah. he did a really good job. I, I liked that about the movie. It wasn't, it wasn't. Like really quickly, it became not just a train. It was like a bully, yeah. a bully for me. Yeah, to me, it almost also felt like a, um, like a dog that had a horrible owner and finally is free, and he's just running and running and running, and he's never gonna turn around, and he's never gonna stop. He's just gonna keep going because his owner is an idiot, and finally let him out, and he's just gone. That's a good one too, and it's gonna go and bite the first child it sees. Oh, yeah, it's going to, well, anything in its way, it's going to attack. Yeah. Now, another thing I love about this movie, and actually any movie for that matter, it's just something I love seeing, is I love watching a situation in the movie escalate and people scrambling yeah. to fix it. And yeah, in, totally. in this movie, you have a few different groups of people doing that, and it makes it really fun to watch. You've got Connie. She's doing her thing. She's excellent at trying to figure out how to stop this train, put some pieces together. You've got her evil boss doing his thing. You've got Ted or Ned or Tex or whoever that guy is. Oh, Ned rules. He's on the outside helping Connie. Um, yeah. And you've got the news, which actually plays like a, a really big part in this movie as well. We learn a lot about this, this scenario and what's happening with the train from the news team covering the story. Yeah, And totally. all of this stuff on the side is what makes this movie successful in my eyes because all of this side stuff was just as exciting as the train action. So there was, totally. there was no, you think this stuff would be the boring stuff? No, it wasn't. It was super exciting. They did a really good job of just making me super dialed in to what was happening behind the scenes. Yeah, the all the talks that are going on are so exciting. And it's a lot of how like Tony Scott shoots these types of scenes where he's kind of always keeping the camera moving. Um, yeah, definitely. And so it just always makes it feel like it's action. So even if you're like a guy's on the phone, the camera's just like circling him. Yeah. Like all we're doing is just a bunch of circles around him, but it makes it feel so much more intense. And if like Connie's giving some speech about something, we might even be in a different room, but like looking through a glass window as the camera's like panning past that glass window. So it's like, if you just walked by this room, it looks like there's a lot of intense talking going on in there. And like, it is a serious problem. And so I just like, yeah, I really feel the intense in those moments where they are just talking and yelling and like figuring things out um, and it's not the train but it's in the rooms uh, I definitely still have the action is like up high yeah yeah for sure the moving camera was a big thing just yeah any yeah. scene that possibly could have been boring and I don't think it would have been because the dialogue was so tight but anything that could have been boring um, Tony Scott's just moving that camera in all sorts yeah. of directions and it kind of just keeps you like ready for what's going to come next it was it's really cool for sure yeah i like that about his style 
It's not for everyone, and yeah, it's not too. for every movie, but it was definitely, it definitely fit in this movie. It was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it just keeps this, it keeps the action going. So it just, like, that's why I say it's a Saturday afternoon movie. It's just like, you're always going. You just throw it on, and it's like, it's from start to end. It's it's kind of just moving. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, totally correct. Now, Dean, this could have been a really short movie if Superman was around. He's not, though. True. Uh, they're going to try the next best thing. They're going to drop a Marine from a helicopter onto Triple Seven. And I actually like this plan a lot. Uh, but it ends up not working because there's too much time left in the movie. Right. That was the only reason it didn't work because there was too much time. Uh, now, I wasn't a huge fan of them dropping him out of the helicopter like at least five minutes before they actually needed to lower him down. He was just hanging on that helicopter yeah. for so long and they weren't even to the spot they needed to be. He could have dropped. He could have been up there just hanging out and dropped later. That's true. Yeah. It looked cool, though. It looked really cool. Yeah, it did. Now, 1206 has been racing as fast as it could go, trying to get to the next switch to get off the main track. Now, 1206 is Colson and Frank's train. Yeah, they were going to they were going to pull off the track. But because of that fuck up that uh, that Chris Pine's character did by adding too many cars, they couldn't pull off because they couldn't fit into the little side track that would get them out of the way. So they have to speed super fast to try to get to the next the next actual train yard. Right. They would have uh, smashed into a train um, in that switch, but they go to the next. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. They're, they're racing to the next switch. They get to the next switch just in time to avoid a major collision. But Triple uh, Seven does smash the last car of their train and we get a little bit more devastation here we got to get some more smashes in the smashes are getting bigger they are yeah now frank and connie have started talking and sharing information which i thought was good and i liked because they're the two smartest people in this movie so let's get them oh, communicating yeah. together they are. They are the two smartest, and they really uh, they vibed with each other. Just not even in the same room, just over the the phone or whatever the the radio. Yeah, that's another thing I like too. I like when like uh, people communicate over a phone or something uh, to solve a problem or situation, and then yeah. they, then they meet at the end. Yes, I love it's that. Like the diehard thing. Yeah, exactly. And I like when they, um, I like when they're communicating over that that ra radio or phone, and they really appreciate something about the other person. Like the other yeah. person really impresses them yeah, with something, yeah, so yeah. then they're like, "Oh yeah, we're on the same team here. You're as smart as me. Like I like you. We're gonna work this thing out together." Yeah, they had that going on. It was good. Oh, they totally. Yeah, you're right. They totally had the uh, the diehard thing going on there. Uh, the plan here is to derail the train, but Frank doesn't think it will work. He thinks Triple Seven will disintegrate the derailleur. Uh, so Frank has another idea. He thinks he can get their train going in reverse, catch up, connect to Triple Seven, and start powering it in the other direction to slow it down. Now, the bureaucrats don't like this plan at all. No. I don't know why. They hate it. They've. They've decided they've decided to derail it now that it's too late to derail it. Right. Now that they're near cities, they've decided to do that. So that's their plan. They don't like changing their minds, Tim. They like going with what yeah. their numbers told them to do. I don't think they have the results from the numbers back yet. <laughs> the numbers still aren't in. <laughs> they do like just to make their own decision and not have anybody question it. They're like, we're doing we're doing this. We cannot we will not yeah. we will not be swayed into any um decision from a subordinate we will do what we want to do yeah if they were if they were pulling denzel washington's box office numbers then they would have known to let frank do what he's supposed to do here yeah You'd be like oh this guy's the star of the movie we'll let him we'll let him take care of it so colson and frank they both have families in the town where this train is headed so they don't actually care what the higher-ups think because they want to save their families. Right, yeah. And I thought they did a really good job in the movie showing us bits and pieces of those family relationships. Um, but there wasn't enough that I was bored by it. And there was just enough that I could care for both of them as characters 
uh, in the movie and be concerned for what's going to happen to them. It was kind of like the perfect level. Yeah, totally. Um, it, yeah, it really wasn't that much. Um, but every every um, time that they had sort of these family interactions, there was no wasted time. Like every time we learned something very important for that character and their relationship to their family at home. Um, and what I also liked is we've already sort of set up what the track looks like at their home because that's where they came from. And when they were driving their uh, 1206 all the way to where they, they ended up. Um, so we saw this curve that's sort of hanging above, like it's this this train that's this train track that's curving and hanging above like all this all these big um, tanks and stuff. And it said 15 miles per hour when they took it. So we know this train's like barreling at 70 miles an hour. So if it gets to that curve, there's going to be big big problems. So like we already know that because we saw that curve at the beginning of the movie. And so I like how that was set up for us. Oh, see, I didn't catch that. So that I don't think that's mm, a first yeah. time viewing thing that you'll notice. Um, that makes sense though. So, so basically the problem here when they get to this town with the train is I think we've, you know, alluded to it a couple of times, but not really explained it. There's a really sharp S turn Yeah, and it's elevated. So the, the train is actually like two stories above ground when it's supposed yeah. to take this really sharp turn. And that's, what's going to send this train flying is that it's going to go too fast into that turn. Now, you mentioned these canisters or containers underneath that. This was a big kind of bullshit moment for me because when you get a, like, I noticed it near the end, but you get a wide shot near the end uh, as this train's coming up. Those are a bunch of giant fuel tanks right yeah. beside and underneath the elevated S-curve, which is probably the last place in the entire city you would put fuel tanks. Even if the, the smallest accident happened on that curve, a train would fall off and land in a fuel tank. So I get that they did it for like, you know, uh, make yeah. the movie more exciting. You know, people will be, oh, of course there's fuel tanks there. And that's why it's going to be so bad if the train goes and the chemicals go in there. You're going to have a big explosion. That was probably the the least believable thing in the entire movie for me is that there'd be like 12 gigantic fuel. Like they're almost like buildings almost. They're oh, so yeah, big. 100%. It's it's bad. It's bad placement. Um, but in when I'm watching it, the movie moves so quickly that when I see it, I'm just like, oh, that's a bad place to put those fuel tanks. And then I'm gone. Like I, it's out of my mind because I got to move on to the next thing because the movie's just like, well, now you got a new problem to deal with. We'll get back to those later. Uh, they didn't have to do that, though. The, the, the train for me, the train is enough. You don't need to add fuel tanks. You know, they didn't have they definitely didn't have to add those like and they're, they're not even uh big problem you know like it's not even there's really like they are a big problem but i just mean like they don't even come into play no you know so it's like i that you don't really well you don't need them at all i i i did not need them we know that if this train crashes it's it's got these toxic chemicals because so it's going to be a big deal so even if it just like flies off that curve and crashes that's a big enough problem you don't need to go <laughs> crash into giant fuel tanks they want us to worry more which is fine but they do yeah. it in an in an unbelievable way that actually pulls me out and i'm not yeah. worried at all and then i start to question why they even did it like just have houses close to it that's all yeah have a couple houses like in in the range or the the trajectory where this train might go off that's enough that's yeah, a major disaster yeah. maybe in 2010 like major disasters had to be like epic i don't know yeah nowadays look if a train went off a track and drove through a couple houses that's a pretty major disaster yeah, totally. So, like, sometimes I'm thinking, okay, well, if they didn't have that thing, then there wouldn't be this big epic movie about it. But uh, in this case, you didn't need those fuel tanks, and you still could have had this big movie, epic movie about it. We were already concerned enough. That's a small beef, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to share that. Because I feel like there yeah. might be people out there who watch this movie and maybe feel the same way. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Tim, for me? It's fine. Yeah. That's just movie magic for you, hey? It's, uh, yeah, it's totally fine. I don't care at all. It's not a big deal. It is movie magic. Cool visual here. 
with train 1206, that's all blue, chasing down 777, that's all red. Yeah, man. Great choice. Great it's choice. the good guys yeah. and the bad guys. It's totally. the cops and the yeah. robbers. Yeah. The bloods and the crips. The, the Sith and the Jedi. Oh, nice. Because I was out of, yeah. I was out of uh, analogies. So glad you came in there with that one. You got it, man. Oh, uh, water and fire. Amazing, Tim. Amazing. Those are sworn enemies. Yeah, those are the most sworn. The Even most, Even more yeah. than the Jedi and the Sith. They go all the way back. Yeah. <laughs> so this whole plan to derail the train takes place, and it fails miserably, just like Frank thought. So now Frank and Coulson are the only option left. Yeah. And they catch up to the unstoppable train. Coulson jumps out onto the engine to help guide Frank in for the connection. They want to connect them here. And they smash into the back of 777. And after a bit of drama and Coulson getting his foot mangled by the train, they're able to get these two trains connected. He got his foot crushed. Yeah, it was crushed. We didn't really get to see it because his foot's in like a boot. Yeah. And it's like a heavy duty boot. Um, But his foot definitely got crushed. It was probably smushed a bit. And I like that Denzel Washington just like duct tapes up his boot. And it's like, now you won't lose any more blood. (laughs) You'll still lose. You're still going to lose blood in that boot. (laughs) Yeah, Coulson was kind of whining a bit like you would because your foot has just been destroyed. And Frank was just kind of like, uh, just, yeah, just tape it up. He's like, you know, it'll, yeah. you know, it'll make you feel better duct taping it up. That'll work. Duct tape fixes everything. Yeah. So he did. He duct taped yeah. it up. I, I, I felt, I felt this moment because Tim, my, my brother-in-law smushed his finger in between heavy machinery. And he said when he was able to get it out, it was flat. His finger was flat and he couldn't even like comprehend in his mind what it looked like so when this guy's foot got smushed i was just picturing how actually flattened out his foot probably was in that boot and it made me uh grossed out a bit Mm, i'll tell you what dean i smushed flat my finger when i was a child did you yeah i got it stuck in a door oh uh on vacation going into the toy store older older brother went to the like the right place to go to open the door i went to like Uh, the uh where the hinges are and tried to open it from there and we both opened at the same time so i thought i was opening it and i put my fingers in and then uh he let go my finger got crushed flat oh my goodness yeah so that was it for uh, the toys we i got rushed to the hospital and uh i remember i remember it all um the doctor just said like we can't really do anything for you. Your the finger will just go back to normal. Just wrap some duct tape around they, that. Thing. Yeah, they put some duct tape on my finger, and then some some <laughs> more good to go. some more across my mouth, and then uh, that was it. <laughs> it it got better. My finger is completely normal. You could not tell it got it got yeah. smushed flat. Yeah. But I I do remember Dad because uh, I've asked him about it because I remember it. He said, yeah, your finger was flat. We were That's wild. just so yeah. concerned about it. And the doctor didn't do anything. Just said, we'll just leave it and it'll go back to normal. Yeah, that was the same. I was the same with uh, brother-in-law. He just, it just went back to normal and his finger's fine. It's yeah. like, what? Yeah, I don't know. So I guess Col- Colson's foot's going to be fine, fine like, I guess. He, his then. foot wasn't even He's flat. fine. He had a steel toe boot on, so. <laughs> yeah, he, he's good. You needed a steel, uh, yeah. steel finger glove. Yeah, exactly. He's good. Got to make those things for kids. Yeah. Uh, the worst part was I didn't get to buy a toy. That was the worst part. That is the worst. Yeah. You Flat were on your finger, way to the toy side. None of that mattered as much as not getting the toy. Yeah. I'm sure we what got. What were you into? I'm sure we got taken back the next day. Uh, at that time, it was, uh, I believe it was Thundercats. Oh, cool. Yeah. Get, nice. Uh, the, the latest Thundercat, I think. Oh, man. What a sad day. Oh, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure, uh, you know, the parents took us back. They wouldn't have just been like, oh, yeah. sorry, you flattened your finger in the door and didn't get toys. Now it's time to go home. You it was know? bad luck. Yeah, that was bad on you for doing that, dummy. 
Yeah, Tim, you probably actually got an extra toy. I probably so nice did. Yeah. move. Yeah, knowing knowing our parents, I probably got an extra one. Nice move. Yeah. yeah. And then they made me sell it when we moved. Yeah, I had to sell all my toys to too. All, I don't have all any our of toys. Them. I got ripped off. I don't off, have any of them. Ripped off by the local nerd who just took me for yeah, I took mean, all my toys and he knew what they were worth, but I had to sell them and he yeah. took them all. I remember I sold all my cool toys. I made $75. Yeah. And as a 10-year-old, I was the richest person I knew. I was the richest per- I felt like I was I had more money than than dad and mom. Yeah. I had all the money with that. But I got ripped off. I had that gray skull castle from oh Masters goodness. of the Universe. You sold a thousand dollars worth of toys for seventy five dollars. Honestly, I did. I sold a thousand dollars worth of toys for seventy five dollars. Yeah, I don't want to get into what I sold, but maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe another episode. It still hurts. It shitty the pain is too real. It hurts. Every yeah. I, I know so many people who have the same pain. It's just uh, yeah. A good friend of mine um, moved out of his parents' place and left his video games there. His Nintendo okay. Entertainment System, a whole oh, no. bunch of games, like, I don't know, 20, 30 games. Uh, the mom just took the, like, bin of all of them and oh, put no. them up at a garage sale for $20. No, wrong. And guess how fast that wrong. sold? Right if you're away. wondering, it was First real thing. fast. Don't crunch any numbers on this one. It was immediate. Oh. <laughs> Anyways. Let's get back to Unstoppable. Garage sales. That's where you got to find stuff, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I've never had a big score at a garage sale. Me neither. I've looked for comics before. I've never found anything good. Yeah. So we're coming up with Triple Seven, Red Steel, if you will. Ooh, Red Steel. I like that. Did you just make that up? I just up, made Tim? that up, yeah. I like that. Red Steel's good. If I didn't just make it up, I would have been calling it that the whole episode. That's how you know I just made it up. Right, yeah, that's amazing. It's good you didn't go with blue steel for the other one because that's Zoolander's <laughs> yeah. uh, face. Yeah, exactly. That's his look. <laughs> yeah. So after the connection of the trains is made, Frank hits the brakes, uh, but it doesn't quite work as much as he's hoping for. So Frank runs out and jumps on top of the trains, and he's going from car to yeah. car, one by one, applying the brakes on those trains. And everyone watching on the news is just pumped up by this. They're all yeah. fist pumping and be. cheering. It's very exciting. And it looks like this might actually work. This might be enough to stop the train until the brakes on 1206 just explode. And, and that was just as they're getting to this uh, elevated S-curve. Yeah, I like I, I like this a lot because like Chris Pine gets out and does something right away. Like he does sort of an actual physical thing, not just driving the train. He's the action star. I'm thinking he's going to be the one doing it. He crushes his foot and then it's Denzel Washington, the 50 year old or whatever, that's going to get out and get on top of the train cars and be jumping the train cars. I'm like, hell yeah, let's let this guy be the one who's actually doing the physical action part of the movie. I thought it was a great choice. Yep. Yeah, I liked it. I loved it, actually. I love that he yeah. got up and started doing that. So they hit this curve, and 777 was slowed down just enough that it doesn't fly off the track. Uh, yeah. It is leaning off. It was pretty close. Like, it goes up onto... It's a heavy lean. It's a heavy lean. Like I, I, It's not correct to say it went up on two wheels, but that's what it did. That's it, what it, it did, went off yeah. the track on one side. Yeah, yeah. And on top of the cars, Frank gets stuck and he can't get past this one large gap. So he can't, he can't, I don't know what he's doing at this point. I think he's actually trying to get to the engine. He's just hitting brake. Uh, he's hitting the brakes on each car on his way to the engine and hoping to get to the yeah. engine. He gets stopped by a giant gap. And at the same time, this truck with this Ned guy comes to pick up Colson. And Coulson jumps onto the truck off of the train and the truck drives him up to the engine of 777. Coulson jumps onto the engine, pulls himself up. Everyone watching the news is cheering. Connie is cheering. Frank is cheering. Dean, I know you're cheering. I'm cheering, man. It was super exciting. Coulson gets into the cab. He hits the brakes and 
that big red bastard starts to slow down. And they did it, Dean. They did it. They did it. They saved the day. They saved the day. They changed the movie to stoppable. Yes. And nobody got hurt. Countless lives have been saved. Well, Coulson got hurt. Yes. Um, more importantly, the toy train industry has been saved. True. Very true. <laughs> uh, my question is, why didn't Frank save the day? I don't need Coulson jumping into a truck with a mangled foot, stealing Frank's yeah. glory. Frank, I know. I would have been Tim, just it's... fine with Frank going on top of all the cars, making his way to the engine, shutting it down. I don't need Coulson jumping in a truck, racing to the front. Let Frank do it. Let Denzel do it. He should have been the hero. Yeah. He was the hero. Uh, yeah. Him and uh, Connie just... were the heroes. For sure. It's just the next level of like how this movie just keeps upping it and upping it and upping it. So like Denzel getting on top of the trains was like on top of all the cars was the next upping it and like physically turning off everything. But that had to not work, right? The next thing had to not work. The next thing had to not work. The only thing that could actually work in the end is turning that throttle off because they were successfully slowing it down for the curve because they were pulling in the opposite direction of that train. But then as soon as their brakes blew, that train just goes back up to 70 miles an hour because of that throttle still full. So they needed to get in the front. They needed to turn that down. Um, so it was really just adding that extra stressor of Denzel not being able to make that one jump. So there needs to be another way to get to the front. But I get what you're saying. Like, I get it. I would, it would have been cool if Denzel jumped from the yes. top of the train into Just that cab the and jump. then he went to the front. That would have been do great. Do the jump. Yeah. I actually thought that's what we were doing. I thought, I actually yeah, thought that um, Pine was going to jump in. Colson was going to jump in the back of the cab there. And then they were going to go get Denzel. He was going to jump in and then they were going to bring him to the front because I didn't think Colson was going to be able to make that jump on one foot. Yeah. Well, he shouldn't have been able to. But he, he did it. Yeah. So there's a press conference now. Colson and Frank are talking. They've put Colson's foot in a boot and it's still dripping blood. Yeah, it looks bad. What man. is he doing at the press conference? Why didn't he get <laughs> yeah. rushed to the hospital? I don't know. They have they definitely should have taken him to the hospital. Like they had ambulances there that actually put him in that boot, but like what's going on? Like has the he boot needs is to be in the dripping hospital. blood. They don't need you there. They don't need you for the press conference. You're not even going to talk. You're just standing there. That was, I was just like, oh. That was weird. What? He should have been in, in an ambulance Dude, on the way to the hospital. In 99% of the other movies that something like this happens, they're taking that person to the hospital in the final scene, but he's just standing there like, you know what I, you know what I need in my life right now with this mangled foot is to be a part of this press conference, but he's not even talking. He's like back watching it. Yeah. But, you know, oh, it must have been the duct tape. That must have just actually fixed it. That's what I was thinking, Tim. You went to the doctor and the doctor said, just leave it. It'll oh, be fine. Well, Maybe they knew hey, that. Maybe you're the one hey, who made the mistake wow. going to the doctor. Dude, that's a great point. Wow. <laughs> he just knew. Crushed foot pops like, back after yeah, a couple that's months. That's not his first crushed foot, I guess. <laughs> it's not his first time. Very good. Okay. Well, Connie shows up. She gives Frank a kiss on the cheek. They meet for the first time. Awesome. We learn yeah. that Dewey is now working at a fast food restaurant. Yeah. And the end. Where he belongs. Yeah. Awesome movie. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I loved it. It's action all the way through. It's got, I think it's got great performances. Everyone's cast perfectly. Um, again, just love Tony Scott. Sad that it's his last film, um, but a good one to have as the last film. Cool. Well, this really got me in the mood, Dean, for Tony Scott. So I will spoil something small that next Ooh. week we are going to be doing another Tony Scott movie. A Tony Scott movie I love that I got vibes of from this movie. Nice. That's all, nice. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, I know what it is. I'll tell you more off the air. You, okay, you actually okay. don't know what it is. I think I do, but maybe I don't. But I have a guess. I have a guess. Well, I'm sure you have a guess. I, I, how pathetic would it be if you didn't have a guess? Well, okay. So I have a guess that I think is right. <laughs> okay. Let's do Let's have your guess. If it's correct, I cut this out. If it's incorrect, I leave it in. Okay. 
you should just bleep me saying it because <laughs> I could do that as well. Okay, my guess is True Romance. Wrong. That's what I thought you were oh, going to okay. guess. Oh, okay, I am wrong. That is not what it's going to be. Okay, then I have no idea, Tim. Uh, everybody, thanks for listening. We appreciate you. If you want to get some bonus content from us, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash talkingbackpodcast. We've got some episodes up there. If you want to sign up at uh, one of the tiers, you'll get some bonus uh, content. So if you feel like supporting us, that's a great way to do it. Check it out. And Dean, thanks for joining. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll catch you next time. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la.